In episode 4 of CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria's Taking Up Space, Emma discussed how colonialism has changed gender identity for Indigenous youth in Canada and what to do about it. Uh, so I'm Emma, I'm Anishinaabe from Shire Lake. I work with Canadian Youth Sexual Health Network and a lot of what we talk about with being Indigenous is the roles that our nations and our cultural understandings play in knowing who we are. English, it's a completely different world frame. Now all of a sudden you have these binaries in place that just don't exist in our language. Colonialism did have the impact of now people will say, oh, you know, taking care of water is women's work and taking care of the fire is men's work. If we don't have any pronouns and we actually don't look at binaries, where did that come from? Sounds like colonialism. So how do we dismantle that? How is another way to look at that? I think that's very much inherently a two-spirit gift and a gift that a lot of our trans youth embody. Whether it always feels like a choice that you have to create the spaces to live in, I know sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it feels like the worst burden of all. But I've come to be able to view it as a gift and hopefully something that we can support each other to do. This podcast was sponsored by the Community Radio Fund of Canada. To hear more, please visit cfuvpodcast.com. The City of Victoria Student Society the Martlet, and CFUV are proud to present the following candidates form for the District of Victoria, originally recorded on October 7th. All right, let's get started. So hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'd like to start by respectfully acknowledging that we are on, on the traditional and unceded territories of the Lekwungen peoples, as well as the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich peoples whose historical relationships with this land continue until today. We are the Martlet, UVic's independent newspaper, and we've been asked to moderate the forum this evening. I'm Isabel Kennedy, the editor-in-chief, and I'm joined by Autumn Beckett, who will be moderating with me, and Mary McLeod, who will be the timekeeper for this evening. I'd like to remind everyone that we don't endorse any particular candidate tonight. We're simply here to help inform students, and we've already collected input from the student body with the questions that we have here tonight. Okay, so just a few ground rules for tonight. Um, We will not tolerate any bullying or harassment from anyone here. Um, While brief clapping is allowed in between comments, for the sake of time, we ask for no prolonged booing or cheering and of course no interrupting at any time. So the format for this evening, uh, we will be asking the same three questions to all candidates, mayoral and councillor who are here tonight, um, as well as a one 30 second hot seat question. I will randomly select who answers the question first from our little cup here. Um, Once the name has been pulled as the first speaker, it'll be taken out. So you won't be pulled as the first speaker um, more than once. And once that first speaker goes, we'll then move clockwise from our perspective. Um, There will be 90 seconds for introductory remarks to start us off and one minute for concluding remarks. I will also be holding up time cards to indicate time remaining. Um, I've got one minute, 15 seconds, and 30 seconds, so feel free to watch out for those. And the minute or the time will begin once you start speaking on the question. Um, And when time is up, I do have a bell I'll ring, and I'll be cutting everybody off just for equity reasons (laughs) if you're trying to go over the time limit. Okay. Following the forum, the UVSS is holding a meet and greet here, so both students and candidates and whoever else is here tonight is encouraged to stay and ask questions that come up during the event. Um, And a reminder that voting day is October 15th, and there is advanced voting for students here in the sub on October 11th, so next Tuesday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Let's get started. 
So each candidate will begin with 90 seconds of introductory remarks and please introduce yourself on your platform. And the first candidate to do that will be Dave Thompson. Oh, and sorry, we will be passing the mics tonight, so yeah, yeah, thank you. Great. Well, uh, hi everybody, thank you very much for coming and, and thanks for having me. My name's Dave Thompson, running for city council, first time running, uh, and uh, a little about me, uh, former environmental lawyer, uh, turned sort of nonprofit charity manager, turned uh, governance consultant. And my platform is the number one issue for, I think, for students, probably most students. Certainly, most people in Victoria is housing and housing availability and affordability. And we need a lot more of it. So um, I think we need more public housing, more cooperative housing, more nonprofit housing, more student housing. We need more purpose-built rentals. Um, we need a higher vacancy rate and lower rents. And we need to move a lot faster than we've been moving on that. Okay, so the university needs to provide more residences, but also the city of Victoria and the other neighboring municipalities need to approve housing a lot quicker. And we need to depoliticize the decisions around housing as well. Uh, we can do that in a way that still respects and receives public input. Uh, but we need to make the timelines a lot quicker and we need to make it a lot more certain uh, that housing is going to be built. Uh, we also need climate action and we need to accelerate that. The two biggest areas, buildings and transportation, uh, and we need to get them off of fossil fuels and we can. Thank you. I'll have to cut you off there. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. This way? Well done. And we'll go clockwise. Thanks. Hi everybody, I'm Marianne Alto. I am running for mayor uh, in Victoria. Uh, a little bit about me, I'm a three-term councillor. I've got two kids, I'm a UVic alumni, and uh, I have undergraduate degrees in science uh, and uh, cartography, love maps, and also in law from back east. I'm running for mayor because I think that we've made some amazing progress over the last 10 years, and uh, I have some anxiety around there being no commitment to continue some of that important work. Uh, the reconciliation work that we have has made our uh, city nationally well-known for the approach that we've taken with the two nations in particular in creating a way for us to learn from them and to act with them in their ways. That's something that I think is critical for us to continue. As Dave said, housing, number one issue. Uh, we've made some really decent approaches in the last few years, but we have so much more to do. We do need to simplify the processes so that we don't have to bring every particular approach to council and have it sit there for months and months and months. We can actually allow our staff to use the rules that we have in place, which are good, to actually accelerate those approvals, which is important. Uh, and most of all, I think that uh, we really need to have uh, some experience in the chair because we're going to have at least seven new people at the council, which is great. Uh, but it would be nice to have somebody who's a facilitator at the table who'll be able to help them find their way uh, through the building and uh, learning some of the systems which we can then break to make better. Thanks very much. Thank you, and we'll go right here. 안녕하세요. 나이름인 김수잔. Hello, my name is Susan Kim, and I would also like to begin by acknowledging that we are on traditional First Nations land, the Kwangan peoples, Esquimalt, Songhees, and the Hosseinich as well along the peninsula. And it's with that kind of gratitude um, that I wanted to also say thank you to the UV, UVSS and the UVIC students who have allowed us to come here tonight. 
uh, and are leading, really leading the way with what reconciliation can look like um, in the area. So thank you for that. Uh, I was the former chair of the Graduate Student Society here at UVic a couple of years ago. I got to see firsthand what issues you struggle with, and they are a lot, and I'm really tired of having been spoken town to. So it's in that uh, frame of mind that housing, right? I was demovicted when I was a student, and I used the food bank here. And I had to take many part-time jobs to get myself through school. I actually didn't even finish my master's degree because I ended up getting a job in my field, which meant I didn't have to keep paying tuition out of pocket and going further into debt. There's also climate. You are the leaders. But how many of you are tired of hearing that too, when you should have heard that from the folks a generation ago? And so I'm really looking forward uh, to working with the students and um, the leaders of today and tomorrow to move on these issues and hearing from you. Thanks. Susan Kim. Thank you. Hi there. <clears throat> my name is Tony Yakover. Um, it's my first time running. I'm an entertainment accountant, um, which means I've been uh, managing finances for musicians and, and actors and record labels uh, for about the past 10 years. Um, the last time I was in this room, uh, I was putting on uh, an event called Rockstar Victoria, which was kind of an American Idol type of vibe. Uh, that was about 12 years ago. Uh, I graduated from UVic uh, with a BCom in entrepreneurship on the Dean's List. Um, and I am running because we've got uh, a housing crisis that needs to be solved. Um, I'm worried about folks who are at school now, what's going to happen when you graduate? Um, are you going to be able to continue to live in the city? We need solutions that are sustainable, uh, thinking about the future of Victoria. We need a, we need a vision for what the future of Victoria is going to look like. Um, and it's important uh, for me to, uh, that we have people who are sitting around the council table who are, who are able to address those needs uh, in order to make sure that we have a next generation, a next generation of healthcare workers, a next generation of business owners, um, a next generation of, of engineers and tech workers. Uh, it, it's really important to me that we, we may maintain uh, Victoria sustainably into the future, so that's why I'm running. Good evening, my name's Janice Williams, uh, and I'm going to sum up my campaign in one sentence, a Victoria that works and works well, underpinning that is good governance. I could sit here and, and pretend to talk to your main issues, uh, which no doubt are housing and affordability, and I share those. Uh, more importantly, I know that being a student is a phase in your life. Um, I am a University of Victoria graduate as well. I studied here and after I graduated I was lucky enough to continue to live in Victoria. I've now started a business here, bought a home here, raising a family here, and you grow roots. And when you grow roots you begin to love a city and I hope each one of you uh, find a place that you can love, that you can grow roots. And at some point, I hope each one of you who cares about it finds a place where your voice can be heard in the long run and where your city listens and respects what your concerns are. That is why I'm running uh, for council now and hopefully we see a council that works and works well. Are we allowed to stand up? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. of course. Actually, I'll, I'll sit because it seems to be the status quo here. But um, my name is Sandy Jansen, 
Um, first and foremost, I'm a mother of three grown adult children that are about the ages of many of the students here. I have a millennial and two Zoomers. And um, it's for them that I'm running. And what I noticed is in the election, a very small percentage, around 30% of voters come out and vote. And many of them tend to be older, more affluent people. And I thought, well, there's a real missing, they talk about the missing middle, what about the missing youth cohort that are not represented? So I really thought, you know, they need to have a voice. I would like to be their voice, and I feel like I'm a relatable candidate. And I would urge everyone here to try to vote in somebody that you feel like you can relate to. So whether you're a working class individual, middle income, whatever that might be, but try to find someone who relates to you. So that might not necessarily be someone who's a lifetime academic or somebody who's affluent and well-hilled and living in an ivory tower. So just be kind of cognizant of that when you're voting. And my platform is based around, I think, a, basically I would call it a three-prong approach, which is affordable housing, community first, and the homelessness crisis, which is based on a mental health crisis. I lived in Germany for many years, and I've learned some very, very pragmatic, doable solutions, and I'm here to take action. Thank you so much. Sandy Jansen. Ah, it was just a trick. Good. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chris Coleman. It's always fun to come back to UVic. I have two degrees from here. I have a law degree from UBC. I was lucky enough to teach in the Faculty of Business here as a sessional, and I taught at Camosun College. I was also recognized as a master mentor by the Faculty of Business. Um, and I have a glorious experience as a six-term counselor for the City of Victoria. It helps me in understanding, one, the issue of good governance as opposed to great politics. It also helps me understand that every issue, I don't care which one you bring up, it's about people. And councils will make decisions that affect some people positively and some people negatively. And good councillors, good governors, have to be able to explain both sides of that equation. Um, I have watched when I left four years ago, I said, I think you're wandering towards great, spectacular politics, but you need to remember it's about good governance as well. And it's been tough to watch the last four years, frankly, because every issue has become incendiary, and there are people who are divided, and we need to bring that back into play. So everybody gets their say, and we build a better community for everyone. Thank you. I'm Anna King, and I am running for Victoria City Council because I have two children, they're one and three, and I intend to live in Victoria for the rest of my life, and I hope that they would be able to live and thrive in Victoria too. The way the current uh, climate, economic, and housing crisis is, it's gonna be very hard for not only you, but for the next generation thereafter too. And I want to be able to impart good gifts on them rather than burdens. So a part of my platform is, is housing as number one, homes for all. Um, whether you're a working professional that can afford um, you know, a market rate home, there are people that can in tech, in government, uh, but we need to be building those units. We need to be building units that people can afford. Or whether you're on the other end and 
homeless, I think that is also important that we're caring and providing homes for, for that end of the spectrum too. Um, in addition, uh, climate action is something that we need right now in order to um, combat climate change. Uh, transportation is a big one. Um, building and the way we build and what we're building, those things are important. Um, so uh, I'm happy to tell you more about it. If you have a minute to talk to me after as well, um, please come up and say hi. Hi, my name is Jeremy Cardona, and I'm running for city council and to serve on the CRD. I'd like to affirm that we're on the traditional non-ceded territories of the Esquimalt Songhees and Wissanik First Nations. And it's really a pleasure for me to be here on campus today. I have two jobs. I work for the provincial government working on climate action and green building. And in the evenings, I teach here at this very school in the School of Environmental Studies where I'm an adjunct. And I teach courses called uh, climate energy and politics and that sort of thing. Um, a lot of the issues have already been touched on, but I'll come back to affordable housing. My main motivator for running is my daughters, who are ages 11 and 13, and they go to Central Middle School and they study late French. And I'm very, very concerned that when they grow up, they will not have access to housing in the city. And I see it every term when I teach here at UVic that my 22, 23-year-old students who are about to graduate tell me that they cannot afford to live in the city, even if they're finding a job. And that's worrying, because if you're finding a job in the city, you should be able to live here and afford to live here. And we're losing our best people, and they're moving to Calgary, and they're moving to Nelson, and, and wherever else. And I'm seeing this brain drain. And, and that's really bad for the economy of our city, and it's also bad for the culture of our city. We're losing our artists, we're losing our musicians, we're, using our, we're losing our young workers. So I want a Victoria that works for everyone, and where everyone has an opportunity to live affordably in this city. Thank you. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Matt Dell. Like many people here, uh, I spent about, geez, eight years of my life at UVic. I have a double major in political science and in English, and I did a master's degree in political science at graduating sometime in the 2011 era. Uh, I was really here at UVic where I learned about the urgency of the climate crisis, um, which is what my master's research is on, and that's one of the main reasons that I'm running. I think a lot of us agree on that. Like, we're in a dire situation right now whereby 2050, we have, have to have 80% emissions reductions in our city. Cities play a huge role in that. We need to be building walkable, compact communities where everything can be accessed within a 15-minute community. I'm really inspired about that idea. I think those are going to be better communities. Another a aspect I want to talk about is arts and culture. I moved to Victoria to be a touring musician. Uh, I spent 10 years touring internationally in a metal band called Kincaid. I know a lot of folks around here from that. I really want to be a champion for arts and culture on this community in, in Victoria. A large part of my platform is based around rebuilding the arts community in Victoria. It's one of the things that we can actually do at local government by funding uh, new public venues, public rehearsal spaces, investing in, uh, in, in, in events and things like that. So if you would like um, to talk about arts later on tonight, please come see me if you want to talk about climate. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone else tonight and answering some questions. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Mala Kalala, and I am a local business owner. Um, I moved into the island just over a year ago. I just about wrapped up my honors um, in political science. I had the great pleasure of traveling to the Congo in South Africa to do my research on foreign direct investment. And 
I decided to run for city councilor because I saw that there was uh, two important issues that had occurred here uh, during the last administration. Uh, one being that, um, especially during the pandemic, our local businesses were um, put in the back seat and um, were disadvantaged compared to uh, multinational enterprises. And also uh, the homeless crisis and um, mental illness in, um, in our unhoused population. Um, I, coming from Ontario, I thought that there could have been more done in the last administration regarding building um, better infrastructure to ensure that our unhoused have uh, adequate living rather than putting them in parks. And that is the two main reasons why I decided to run for council. Good evening, my name is David Arthur Johnston. I'm a candidate for mayor of Victoria. I do not see housing as the fundamental issue. The fundamental issue is the politically and criminally imposed addiction epidemic. Once the addiction epidemic is ended outright, everything else falls into place. Nothing else can be affected or happen until that happens, climate change, housing, what have you. You end the addiction epidemic and then tent cities become tenable, which is interesting because that's the exact reason the streets have been flooded with crack, crystal meth and heroin. This city needs a mayor that is not able to be held hostage by the string pullers of political discourse. I don't have a lot of experience in council, what have you, but I do know that the universe is a pragmatic singularity. Magic is not real, but miracles are. And we're facing what could be said to be the apocalypse, and we're talking as if we have hope, but we really don't know what we're talking about. We can face any possible future, however harsh, as long as we have patience and friendly faces around us. Housing isn't a problem. That is all the time you have. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. My name is Chris Hanna. I'm a lifelong resident of Victoria, which means about 60 years. I graduated from UVic probably 40 years ago. I spent about 40 years as a historian and historical researcher, Royal BC Museum, BC Archives, academia. I'm running basically because I want to see a comprehensive transportation plan developed for Victoria and Greater Victoria, and I want to see residential densification along these transit routes. So that perhaps within 20 years, we'll have a light rail system to Langford, possibly to Sydney, Swartz Bay, connecting with electric buses, and along these electrical routes of the electric buses will be multi-story, eight, 10, 12-story apartments, surrounded by grass, trees, playgrounds, and containing amenities such as daycares for, for children. That's basically my point. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you to the Martlet for uh, moderating and to UVSS for hosting. My name is Krista Loughton, and I'm a documentary filmmaker. I have worked on films over the last 15 years about mental health, homelessness, and addiction. I look down Pandora Street and think to myself, could we be doing any worse? 
And that is what has drawn me to be in this seat and speaking to you today. My priorities are, like many other in this room, of 15-minute city, so um, centered on really thriving urban villages, so continuing the development of urban villages so we can support the 15-minute city. Housing, um, I think that we need to look into potentially even tiny home communities for students. I do not like the idea of students being homeless or precariously housed or the hidden homeless couch surfing, living in cars. Um, we, we need to um, um, really look seriously at that. You are our future, and we can't have you being stressed out while you're studying. We also need better transportation, and we need to, to look at um, more support for, for um, climate action initiatives that are driven by you and, and by the, like our generation as well. We need to get on board with you and recognize this is an emergency. Thank you, I'll have to cut you off there. Thank you so much. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Kadani Pitt-Chambers. Uh, I am running for Victoria City Council, first time running as well. Um, and I was not too long ago a student myself. I graduated from Carleton University in 2020 um, with a degree in environmental studies and geomatics. Um, and my biggest issue on the docket currently uh, is climate action. And I really look at climate action as something that we can work towards through many different avenues. Um, and firstly, it would be housing. Um, currently, 68% of Victoria's land, is residential land, I should say, is taken up by one of the most polluting and expensive forms of housing, um, which would be single-family homes. I want to make it easier to create more varied types of housing in the city that would house more people and also be more climate-friendly. Uh, to facilitate this and to help this, I also want to make sure that we have very sustainable and robust active transportation and public transportation networks as well um, to make sure that we're able to move within our city differently than having to rely on a car. Uh, personal vehicles are something that are expensive for students, for really anyone at this point, especially with the price of gas currently. Um, so I really wanna change the way in which we move throughout our city and live in our cities as well. Um, because I think Victoria is really poised to be a model city for climate action. Thank you, and I know we had a late comer, so we'll go to your introductory remarks over there. You'll have 90 seconds. Anyway, this will be uh, Caribou from his album Suddenly, and this will be Like I Loved You, and hopefully nothing else will make me crazy. Here at CFUV sometimes we make mistakes, and that's how you know we're not robots. Check us out online at CFUV.ca. And don't drop your phone on expensive recording equipment. Standing up against racism is an ongoing battle. How will you help? I will employ an intersectional anti-racist lens to support the racialized community as they exercise their human rights. I will refuse to be silenced and I will help others raise their voices against hate. I will listen, learn, speak up, and take action. This message is brought to you by the Canadian Anti-Racism Youth Coalition. Visit caryc.ca for more information about how you can stand up and speak out. Thank you. Uh, thanks for hosting this event, and there's a number of uh, campaign commitments at this time, so my apologies for stepping in a few minutes late. Uh, my name's Ben Isett. 
Uh, 26 years ago this month, when I started my undergrad up here, I joined up with a, a local grassroots social justice organization, and within a couple of meetings, I had uh, been convinced that we had to do everything we could to dismantle capitalist exploitation of humans and natural ecosystems, and I've and replacing that those uh, systems of exploitation with egalitarian and cooperative and more sustainable relationships. And I've held that view since that time. For the last 11 years, I've pursued the, that eco-socialist, democratic, egalitarian viewpoint in my work on city council. And while I'm guided by that worldview, I think we've made really concrete and positive improvements for people in the community. We created the Regional Housing First program, building uh, 2,000 units of homes for low-income people. We brought in fare-free public transit, starting with people under 19. And now I think we have to do it for seniors and eventually do it for everyone. And the reason that I'm being attacked and other progressives are being attacked in this election is because they don't like our progressive ideas and they want to hold back ideas and they want to roll back human rights. So I need all of you to get involved in my campaign and the campaign of the other progressive candidates. You can sign up there, we can get you a lawn sign and encourage Thank everyone you. to vote. That is all the time you have. Thank you. Okay, for the first question, you will have one minute, and it is about housing. What tangible steps will you take to aid the unhoused population, which is a growing crisis in downtown Victoria? Okay, the first candidate to speak on that will be Matt Dell. Sure. So there's no magic solutions for the homelessness crisis we're seeing in our community. Victoria is expensive. People can't afford places to live. We desperately need to build more non-market housing. That's housing that isn't subject to the market market prices. So this is housing built by not-for-profit providers, Pacifica, BC Housing, Macola, Gorge View Housing Society. We've been doing good work on this. Uh, above the new fire hall, the Vic Vic Victoria Council, two folks here said, hey, why don't you give this to Pacifica, build eight stories of non-market housing? And we need to be building that all across the region, including Oak Bay and Saanich. Victoria's been doing so much work, but we need all areas to do that. As a councillor, what we can do is roll out the red carpet for those projects to go, how can we make it easier? How can we let you build more units? How can we make it more livable for people that are going to be doing there? Uh, and we need to accelerate that process, and I will be doing everything I can to accelerate that uh, in, in the city of Victoria. Thank you. Um, on that circumstance, I have a bit of a different uh, take on the situation. Um, I think our uh, unhoused population cannot afford to um, live in developments that we do create and they will require continuous support from the government unless they are rehabilitated and transitioned back into our uh, socioeconomic environment, which is working to sustain yourself. Um, in relation to housing in Victoria, um, it would be unfair to um, intergenerational homeowners and uh, family uh, neighborhoods who suggest that they should pack up and um, live on the fourth floor of a new development um, just because they live in a prestigious city where the real estate market is as high as places like Toronto, um, Montreal, and Ottawa. Um, what is nice about that is the, all the time you have. Thank you. 
we're being conned. We're being literally deluded and deceived by an actual knowing, knowing cabal, criminal, tyrant that imposed the addiction epidemic for the express purpose of making tent cities untenable. Once tent cities are tenable, that solves everything. Students can live rent-free, hippies can live rent-free, gardeners can live rent-free, and turn this city into a permaculture paradise. Ultimately, patience be with us, because economic recovery is absolutely not assured. I would rezone all land along major transit-served arterials for multi-story buildings, residential buildings, and 50 meters down the side streets. Um, in the case of the actual homeless, I'd use ATCO trailers. I don't want to see people living in Conestoga huts or containers without toilets and washing facilities. I think it's demeaning to the poor and homeless. Thank you. Um, I'm Krista Loughton, and I think that we need to go back to 1943 and dig up Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human needs and at least establish the bottom rung for people who are sheltering outside. People aren't having safe sleep. Without safe sleep, you can't take the next step into improving your life. I think we need designated spaces for people, and they. I think they can be... Um, tiny town, like shipping containers. I think um, Conestoga huts, albeit not perfect, it's a temporary interim solution, but it's a step up from a tent. And we have to get after it, and we have to do it as soon as we can. It's uh, hurting everyone in our community. And I talked to a nurse at our place yesterday who said, people come in for help, and the thing they're suffering from the most is sleep deprivation. Uh, hi there. I'd just like to start off by saying that housing is a human right. There should be nobody living in tents, um, especially in a country as wealthy as Canada. Um, I'd like to say that f in terms of addressing the housing crisis and homeless and mental health epidemic that we're facing, not just here in Victoria, but across the country, um, I would like to make it really, really easy to bring in those provincial and federal dollars that help build cooperative housing. Uh, not get nonprofit housing builders into it as well. Um, because the government got out of housing building back in the 80s, um, and we've just seen a downward spiral ever since. Um, we need to make it really, really easy um, for those dollars to flood into the city. Uh, because although market rentals are important, what's more important right now is being able to provide housing for all of those who can't afford market rate rentals in Victoria, Nelson, Calgary, or otherwise. Everyone deserves a home. Hi, I agree with everything that Kadoni just said. Uh, housing is a human right. We need to build a lot more of it. We need the supportive housing. Uh, we need to, as a city, we need to make it faster and more certain that that housing is gonna be built so that we can attract those federal and provincial dollars. So I would just urge everyone in this room to vote housing. Tell your friends to vote housing. There's an organization called Homes for Living. Have a look at their website. They have a lot of good material on housing. They've also ranked the candidates. They've made it really clear who's for housing and who isn't. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. 
tough question, no easy answers. Permanent housing has to come with plans with the city as being partners with the provincial and federal government. And the city's role is to make it as simple and fast, as easy as possible to build permanent housing. But we also have to have transitional housing, and that looks like something which is a partnership with the not-for-profits. And that could be as simple as some of the great tiny towns that we have examples of, one in Victoria that's working really well, as well as a variety of other smaller units. We need to make sure that we can uh, rezone the entire city so that you can have not just one house, but secondary suites, multiple units, uh, carriage houses, uh, potentially our RVs, and all sorts of things within the, uh, within the lot. Uh, altogether, you have to have people on council who are going to vote housing first. Uh, Dave's right. There's lots of resources out there, and I'm proud to say that I have never voted against a housing application in Victoria. Thank you. Over to the left. Susan Kim here. Housing is a human right. Uh, again, I mentioned I was dumb evicted from my home, and the amount of anxiety that caused me when I was a student was incredible, and I really applaud the students for coming with this question. It shows a depth of compassion. Uh, in terms of providing housing for the unhoused population, our, our unhoused neighbours and underhoused neighbours, uh, I would start by funding uh, the nonprofits that already do this work, a lot of them don't have core stable operational funding like the Aboriginal Coalition to End Homelessness. And these are the organizations that do the groundwork already. And so there's that piece to be done. I am in favor of missing middle housing. The most environmentally friendly house is the one that's already built. So let's just throw up a couple more walls, have a couple more units, minimize renter displacement, make sure it's affordable, and work with those nonprofits to get folks who need that housing in there first. Um, Tony Yakover. Um, yes, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, as, as a few uh, people have already mentioned, housing is a human right. Um, I also would advocate for housing for a strategy. Um, but it, it's not just a moral uh, imperative, it also makes economic sense. Um, studies have shown that for every $2 spent uh, on housing, unhoused people, uh, you, it can lead up to up to $3 in savings uh, on law enforcement, on other, on other wraparound services. Um, so f from my perspective, housing first is the, is the right approach. Um, and we also need to be uh, looking at the other major lever that the city has, which is zoning. We need inclusionary zoning. Uh, we need to be building in into pre-zoning uh, neighborhoods for higher density. We need to be building in uh, measures to make sure that we have uh, housing, supportive housing uh, for unhoused folks as part of those communities. Thank you. Um, I think we have to start from the recognition that our labor market is disentangled or there's a disconnect between the labor market and people's incomes and earnings and the housing market, the prices that people have to pay for housing. And even in this building, there's full-time unionized workers who can't afford their rent at a level that the federal government says no one should have to pay uh, beyond 30% of their gross earnings. Many people in this community are happy if they're paying 50 or 60% and not more. So it's, it, part of it is supply, but it's what kind of supply. And if we just end up with expensive condos, that will be out of reach for students, for working people, for seniors, for people with disabilities. That's why some of these pro-housing, pro-developer lobby groups, I'm not on their ticket because I advocate for the European model where we build the non-market housing supply. Vienna, Austria, more than half of their housing supply is socially owned and that we have to move in that direction. One of those rare moments where I find myself agreeing with Ben on many issues. Um, so 
I'm going to start by saying measurement matters. Uh, my background is in economics and what you don't know if you're making progress if you don't measure things. So first, I think we need to take stock of what our actual situation is. We need to know who is in our city and what their challenges are. We need to do a better job of triaging them and informing the provincial government as to what their responsibilities are in terms of providing access to addictions treatment, mental health treatment. We need both head and heart on this issue. And I think what's frustrating is seeing Housing First become housing only and seeing no provincial standard with respect to services for those who are experiencing homelessness. I, I, can you imagine living in a city without a school, without a hospital? No. Why do we not? Thank you. That is all the time you have. And I will take a brief pause to welcome a candidate to the stage. And we'll, we'll continue clockwise and we will come back to you and repeat the question. Thank you very much. Apologize for being late. Thank you. Just go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Hi, Sandy Jansen. I've had the unique um, opportunity to have lived in a country. I lived in Germany for almost six years and they have, they don't call it housing first, but they have it like a human right, basically. And it's interesting to me because I'm going to say comrade here in this instance because I'm a social, uh, a German social democrat and I've had the experience of going to Vienna and all these other places and traveling out throughout Scandinavia. Well, the question is how do they do it? And one of the things they do, and no one has mentioned this, is they have a national Vongeld system. Vongeld basically means housing money, housing benefit. And since in Victoria, as we are sort of the California, we are a very desirable place to live. And within, we have free migration throughout Canada, I would urge the national government, the federal government, to try to have a direct subsidy program. I could speak on and on about that, but we should start there as a Housing First initiative. Thank you. I think we finished the circle and then... Yeah, we'll right. could finish the circle, repeat the question. Thank you. Could you repeat the question again, please? What tangible steps will you take to aid the unhoused population, which is a growing crisis in downtown Victoria? Thank you for that, because in the answers we heard, we switched from the unhoused to a bunch of housing things which are all important, but the reality is the unhoused population needs a different set of supports. So from 2000 to 2009, I was the co-chair of the local chapter of the Federal Task Force on Homelessness. I'm not an expert in the area. I'm not bad at chairing a multi-stakeholder table. And what we know we need to do is, yes, housing first, but it has changed uh, over time, and in that process, it used to be a four-pillar approach. We went to a three-pillar approach, and we took out the enforcement model that didn't allow the criminal element to victimize the homeless population. Thank you. Hello, Anna King here again. And, um, I have the privilege of working in the downtown east side in Vancouver for three years and uh, I've moved to Victoria nine years ago since then. And I've worked uh, with uh, poverty relief organizations all throughout uh, Canada and um, something that I've seen um, that is important to me for the unhoused uh, community 
is uh, a distributed model. So having recovery homes in all of Victoria, not just concentrated in the Pandora corridor, um, but having uh, four to six people housed with um, social services, with social workers, psychiatric nurses, and um, tools to help them get clean and sober. In addition to all the things that have been mentioned, I'm pro-missing middle, and uh, for tiny towns as well as transitional housing um, throughout uh, Victoria. I think tiny towns has been a success and we can use that as stabilizing housing in order for Thank people you. to find permanent housing. That is all the housing. time you have. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I'll answer the question directly and say, what I'll do on Con Council is add more sheltering to the city, uh, both in terms of traditional sheltering, like we see in places like our place, but also emergency sheltering on hardscapes. And I think one of the really cool things that the city did over the last couple of years is Tiny Town, 940 Caledonia. It's not a perfect model, but it did get 36 people off the street with security, with social services, with toilets, and even with a little bit of community in there that helps people feel like they have a sense of place and a sense of being. Um, I think that's a positive step. A few of the people who originally went into Tiny Town have now transitioned into BC Housing. So I think that's a really positive model to build upon. And maybe I'll leave it there. Thanks. Thank you. And we'll come over to the candidate who joined late. OK, um, I just want to say that uh, housing first, absolutely. Uh, if you, My name is Shay Smith. I'm sorry, my name is Shay Smith. Housing first, absolutely. I'll tell you why. Uh, tell uh, that to the students that uh, you know don't have a place to stay during their, their schooling, first of all. Uh, tell that to the people who didn't have a place to stay last night. Um, tell it to the people who are trying to get on their feet when they have bylaw coming to their, to, their, to their tent first thing in the morning, clearing them out. It's not even a housing only approach right now. It's not even a housing first approach right now. There's a housing crisis going on right now. We have to approach the housing crisis first before we can say housing first or housing only or housing anything. There needs to be more housing right away. Absolutely. The, the municipal level it has to be worked on. The federal level has to be worked on, and the provincial level has to be worked on. All three levels of government need to work on this housing crisis. We have people dying in the streets every day. There's an opioid crisis going on, there's a housing crisis going on, there's a human rights crisis going on. And those things need to be addressed, absolutely. I just I joined the Students' Union the other day uh, at the Ledge Grounds, fighting for, for, I for students. I will cut you off there, that is you all the time you. we have. Thank you. The next question will be on the environment. In your opinion, is Victoria setting and meeting realistic, effective goals for climate action? What could be done to improve those goals? All right, and you will have one minute to answer this question, and the first candidate to speak on that will be Ben is, is it? Sorry if I mispronounced that. Thanks. Um, I think Victoria is in the forefront of local governments in BC and Canada but even we're not going far enough. But in a, going in the good direction, uh, helping people get away in low, ideally even no uh, emission modes. So I think uh, phasing out transit fares to remove barriers to people getting on the bus, uh, electrifying the, the public transit fleet, uh, building bike lanes, improved crosswalks, sidewalks, because uh, emissions from transportation are uh, close to half of community-based emissions. We're also uh, supporting building owners in phasing out 
um, uh, oil furnaces, gas furnaces, transitioning towards solar panels, solar hot water, but there's certainly more we could do. We also were the first municipality in BC to eliminate single-use plastic bags, and then the province followed our example as they followed our example on fear-free transit for young people. So we need to do more, but definitely send climate champions to City Council next Saturday. Can I hear the question again, please? In your opinion, is Victoria setting and meeting realistic, effective climate goals, or sorry, goals for climate action? What could be done to improve those goals? Anything, anything. We're in a climate disaster right now. So, I mean, anything that's fresh and new that come to the table, that's a good idea that the city can work with, absolutely go forward with it. Um, absolutely for anything that's going to be providing for uh, renew renewing green spaces and uh, you know keeping green spaces there as 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 are and having them there for the future absolutely in Victoria and uh, you know globally as much as we can do so anything that's that's fresh and that's new and that uh, that we're doing that's we're working right now to continue absolutely uh, you know all all, all all things forward absolutely oh, thank you that's, thanks for the question thank you. Um, this is a policy question with respect to what is an effective goal. It is something that's measurable and realistic. And so on this, I, I think the city of Victoria has made tremendous strides. I think we can do more. I think there's lots of great ideas out there about how we can do more. The thing that I think we have to be careful about is those things that sound like they're really great climate policy, but at the end of the day, do very little to make a difference. I have about 500 reusable bags now. I used to have a bag of plastic bags, now I have a bag of reusable bags. Um, I would like to engage climate experts and ask them what strategies we need to take to make the biggest difference. I'd love to see shore power. I think that would be huge. I'd love to see better transit. Thank you. Hi. Well, having, again, not to belabor, but having lived in Europe, I've seen some of the most um, state-of-the-art things in terms of wind power, water power. I actually love living in Victoria. I don't mind the bike lanes at all. I think that, again, I've, I've been to Denmark. I live near the border there. And um, I would say that if we look, I'm all about not reinventing the wheel. So if we can look at places, look at cities and countries that have done it right and say, how do we implement that here? And one of the things would be the Danish model for the bike lanes so that it's you know, more accessible for other people. And one thing, I've got to pull this out because I got in an argument with some of my um, Viva teammates about the bags. I've had this reusable bag in my purse for, I don't know, seven years, and it's not that hard. I understand uh, about the bags of bags, though. So I think that um, another thing I learned about minimalism and how the first thing I noticed moving there is people don't have a 1,000-square-foot basement, and then they don't have a 300-square-foot garage. Many people um, with families live in apartments. You're going to ring the bell when I'm done. Sorry, I don't want to go over my time. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. One of the advantages of being a UVic alum is that you can come back and audit courses at virtually no cost. And the advantage to auditing courses is you don't have to do any of the homework and you don't have to write any of the exams. So this spring I came back and audited Andrew Weaver's EOS uh, 365, Climate Change and Social Policy. If there's something pragmatic that this region can do, and Victoria is a player in the region, 
It's a comprehensive transportation strategy. We need to link up a cross-section that goes from Royal Roads to UVic and from downtown Victoria through the airport to the uh, ferry terminal. That will make a dramatic difference and it will change our land use planning. Thank you. Um, I want to make walkable cities. Victoria is uh, a leader in this already, and when we have uh, a walkable neighborhoods where you can get everything you need within a 15-minute distance, walking distance, um, we can reduce the dependence on cars and reduce emissions. And I think that uh, Victoria is, is a leader in this area already, um, but we can do even more. Um, if we think of the villages that we already have, like Cook Street Village, um, the Fairfield Plaza, so to speak, with the Thrifties, and Fernwood Square, these can all be um, built into places where we have everything we need, groceries, doctors, uh, cafes, bars, the post office, anything that you need within a 15 minute distance, and it's actually more convenient to walk than it would be to, to drive. Um, I was a pedestrian for the entire time that I've lived here in Victoria, so like eight years, uh, almost nine basically, because I just got Thank a bike. You. And Thank now you, that is all the time awesome. you have. Thank you. So at the province and at UVic, climate action is my area of expertise, so it's hard to speak about it in just one minute. But I'll say very briefly, there's two different ways of measuring emissions. One is called the territorial approach, and that looks at the emissions that actually come from the territory. And as Ben noted, about 40% of emissions in, in Victoria come from housing and 40% come from transit. But there's a second methodology called the consumption-based emissions inventory, and that looks at not only all the territorial emissions that are emitted in your jurisdiction, but all of the emissions it takes to make all of the goods and services that are consumed in your jurisdiction. And from that point of view, Victoria is actually doing a really poor job of dealing with climate action. We haven't even set any targets. We don't measure it. There's been about 30 jurisdictions in Victoria that have uh, started to do a CBEI, but Victoria is lagging behind. So that means we have to start to take a close look at the clothes that we're consuming, the meat we're consuming, the building materials, and start to decarbonize ourselves in a more holistic way. It is so easy to be up here and talk about the climate change crisis. It's so easy to say we're going to do something. But for my entire time in Victoria, we've seen people fighting against progress on the climate change. The first bike lanes went in 2014. They, people said it was going to ruin our city. Housing density, where people are living in smaller, more sustainable, people are fighting tooth and nail against that. So please, we need to elect folks who are actually going to make challenging decisions. And sometimes that makes ma means making decisions that are hard for drivers and makes things easier for bikers. Those are the type of decisions that I want to make and an another group of climate champions here want to make because this is not going to be easy. And in some cases, it, it might ma make our lives a little bit slower, a little bit uh, more uh, upsetting our routines. But we have to do it for the next generation, and I'm prepared to make those hard choices, particularly on transportation and housing, which are the two biggest things. The city can't uh, impose dietary restrictions on people. We don't burn coal here. But we need to make some hard choices to build a bikeable, walkable, compact city and that's what I'll be uh, advocating for. Thank you. Hello again. Um, I would actually argue that you can't be a climate champion because as a person, uh, we all pollute and we're all, um, we're all in it together. So um, uh, the way Victoria can improve its um, behavior regarding uh, climate reduction would be to continue with some of its trend. Uh, we have bike lanes. 
what I would argue is uh, we could have uh, bike parking garages downtown so that people who commute into downtown can recharge their bikes and have a central location so they're not perhaps um, driving to work on one of the days. Um, another thing to note about what Victoria can do is that uh, the majority of the pollution that is created around Victoria does come from our tourist industry, our boats, and our planes. So as Victorians, I think it's wrong to put the faults on the citizens. That is all the time you have. Thank you. Imagine 5,000 gardeners that want to save the world that don't have to pay rent anymore. We could turn this city into a, a never-before-seen global model of permaculture. And it's possible just as soon as we stop the tyrannically imposed addiction epidemic and absolutely and completely crush the heroin, crack, and crystal meth market. And it can be done. We're spending so much on disposable hotels and feeding 2,000 people three meals a day. We could have paid for detox for 2,000 people a couple times over with all of that. Thank you. I've lived in Victoria for 60 years. I've never owned a vehicle. I've relied exclusively on public transit and walking. You can do it. We need to have electric buses, and we need to have an electric light, elevated light rail trans transit system running out to Langford, connecting with bus systems out there at Uptown and in Victoria. We, in, we need to address the issues of cruise ships and the service industry that they, re they require. Um, the per diesel particulates being put out by these ships is getting to a level that sort of that you're seeing down at the Port of Senate. Port of, Port of Los Angeles and, and San Diego. It's, it's becoming really too much for the people in James Bay. And I think we really need to address that issue as well. Tune in Thanks. Sunday nights from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. for the Chris National Hannah. Community Radio award-winning Best Hip Hop Show for 2018 in the realm of the Velvet Unicorn, where authenticity, social justice issues, and stardust migrate into soundscape vibrations, where the voices of indigenous, femme, hip-hop, reggae, world beats, and electronica are amplified. You may even gain some inner wisdom learning about the crystal of the day. If you miss a live broadcast, you can catch it on demand at cfuv.ca. CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria is bringing to you another fantastic podcast. This podcast is about housing, Victoria's housing crisis, and how looking towards Vancouver can shed light on issues we're facing here in our community. What is someone to do in Victoria when they are in need of a home? The vacancy rate in Victoria sits at a dismal 0.5%. In this episode, we explore stories of how the Victoria community continues to fight the dire housing situation in the city. You're finding it more and more difficult to find affordable housing, which really is tantamount to a massive unvoted upon tax increase. And the only way that you can be in the same discussion is by using the thing you have, which is, is your bodies, your feet, and getting out there and letting it be known that, that it doesn't have to be this way, and you demand that it be dealt with. This episode is sponsored by the Community Radio Fund of Canada, and you can listen to the podcast online at cufv.ca podcasts. This episode is Episode 7, Housing in Victoria, Full Circle. CFUV 101.9 FM is Victoria's campus and community radio station, and we love supporting our community. 
If you're a nonprofit organization with an upcoming event, let us know so we can announce your event on air. Email the details to psa at cfuv.ca at least two weeks in advance, and we'll let the community know about it. For more information, visit our website, cfuv.ca. Um, again, I'm Krista Loughton, and I, I'm going to just echo what everyone else has said here tonight, that it's building emissions, it's burning fossil fuels, so we need active transportation. We need to create the 15-minute city so we don't have to turn our cars on every time we need to run an errand. And we need to get really serious about that. Those of us that can have to get out of our cars. Um, some things that haven't been mentioned are a little more practical. Green roofs, green walls, green infrastructure, pocket gardens in all of our neighborhoods where we can, um, you know, planting, planting trees along the thoroughfares more green in our environment. And we all just need to get very serious about it, you know, myself included. I need to get an e-bike. You know, I still walk and drive, and I, I got to point the thumb back at myself first. Uh, hi, Kidani for Chambers again. Um, I just want to say that we definitely can do something in Victoria in terms of addressing uh, the climate crisis we're in. Um, I'm going to agree with a lot of people here and say maybe that Victoria alone obviously cannot solve the climate crisis, but what we can do here is become a model city for the province and for the country and hopefully for the world of what it looks like when we can change how we move through a city, how we interact with a city, and what we really value as citizens within it. Um, I really want to live and have everyone here be able to live in a city where you are never more than 15 minutes away walking or cycling from everything that you need. Um, I find it quite frankly disgusting that we live in a society where folks think it is okay to drive a truck to pick up a cucumber. Um, and I would really like to advocate for public transportation, active transportation, and really just overhauling the way we live. Um, without that, we really won't be able to change our, our world Thank view. you. Thank you. And on to Dave. <laughs> the city is due to uh, release a report on our greenhouse gas emissions this fall. What we're going to find is that we're off track. We're not on track to meet our goals. Um, we need to move faster, okay? So we can decarbonize buildings quicker than we're planning to. Uh, for instance, on new buildings, we're planning to decarbonize by 2025. Uh, we could have done that this year, and we could do it next year. Other municipalities already have. We could complete the bike and roll network much quicker. We could do it with fast build uh, uh, mechanisms. So as Ben said, vote climate. Uh, Victoria Climate Action Team tells you which candidates to vote for for voting climate. It's on my website, davethompsonvictoria.ca. Thanks, Dave. Uh, as I recall the question, it was, uh, do we have a plan? Are we doing enough? Are we meeting our thresholds? And thank you, Ben, for reciting everything the city's already doing. And so the answer to that question is we have great plans. Uh, we have a fantastic climate action plan. We have Go Victoria around transportation. We have half a dozen of them. You can look them all up on the city's website. But the real question is, have we met our thresholds? And as Dave mentions, we haven't. 
And the answer to that is acceleration, acceleration, acceleration. It also uh, points us to the reality of having to deal with the densification of the city. We are a city. We are no longer a big town. We have to embrace that, not shy away from it, and make sure that we make decisions, difficult decisions, which Ben and I have been struggling with for some years uh, under a lot of pressure. But we have to make those decisions so that those of us who are lucky enough to have kids and lucky enough to, to live in the city can continue to do so and ensure that they can as well. We've got good plans. We need to accelerate them uh, and add new ones. And uh, those of us who are committed to this issue uh, will do so. Susan. Yes and no. Uh, Victoria is setting and meeting, uh, attempting to meet realistic and effective goals for climate action. Uh, yes, but we should be doing so much more, all of us. Um, I'm worried that the reason the, uh, this question is posed by students is because we're all starting to internalize that sense of individuality and guilt attached to our climate action. And climate is international, right? It's the entire planet. It's not just you as an individual. And the city should be able to provide for you as a resident so that it's not individualized. If we can incentivize your landlords to have retrofit so that you don't have to go and buy the energy efficient pieces for your home, that'd be wonderful. And I want to work on that. I also think that we should be working um, on the Transit Commission, where the students actually have a seat at the Transit Commission to make those decisions. It's not a voting seat. So I'm looking forward to planting my butt on that commission for you and making a vote that reflects your interests on climate change. Um, I, I would echo a lot of the great ideas uh, that have been, been brought up already. Um, we've set good goals. We need to do more to reach them. Uh, to me, there's two major areas uh, where the city has the, the biggest pull, and that's with building and with transportation. Um, on the building side, we need to densify. We need gentle densification in our residential neighborhoods. I support the Missing Middle Housing Initiative. Um, we need uh, high-density communities uh, surrounding uh, future transit lines. Um, and densification changes the way that we uh, are, go about our day. We are able to walk to our, uh, get our groceries and, 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 do, and do our daily errands in a different way. And then looking on the transportation side, we need regional transit. We need rail. We need light rail. We need rail up the island. Um, and, and we need to, to have the, the political will, not just among, uh, in Victoria, but with our, our neighbors and other municipalities and within the region and within the province as a whole uh, to get that done. Thank you. The next question is on equity. What does it mean to you to be an ally with communities that face discrimination, such as people with disabilities, LGBTQ2S+, and BIPOC people? And do you think it's within council's responsibility to improve equity for these communities in Victoria? The first candidate to answer this question will be Jeremy Caradonna. Hello, okay. I was just hoping it would be me because uh, I think it's a really important question and uh, Here's how I want to answer it. So I work for the province of BC, and every time we as policymakers make a cabinet submission, which is a submission that goes to cabinet to be considered and potentially be funded, we are required to take a number of lenses to look at that policy. And within the provincial government, <clears throat> that's called GBA+, and that's the sort of equity lens. 
I'm hoping eventually the province adds a climate lens. But every single time we submit something to cabinet, we have to take that equity lens. To my knowledge, that doesn't exist within the city of Victoria. Uh, and if, and if, if it does, I've overlooked it. But I, and it's really, really important to take that lens. Every single decision that is made within the city, whether it is how we fill potholes or build our sidewalks, all the way up to really important decisions about built environment, uh, we need to take that equity lens to all decisions, major and minor. Thank you. Sure. Sure. I was Jeremy Cardona. Thank you for the question. So we're going left again? Yeah. Kay. Just in case anyone didn't hear that, uh, request for stating your name before you answer the question. Great reminder. Uh, my name is Matt Dell. <coughs> Absolutely, the city plays a role in creating more social equity. It's a fundamental role of all levels of government. Absolutely, equity is spiraling out of control in so many factors of our lives from uh, economic inequity, of course, reconciliation. One thing I want to focus on is community services, public amenities, and recreation. It, it, it might seem like a small fry, but it's actually a tangible way that we can improve equity in our city. Uh, community services, public libraries. Right now, one of the one of the failures I think of the last council, I won't call it a failure, is uh, not get tackling our recreation center in, in Victoria. And rec facilities like a brand new crystal pool can offer so many children, no matter what your background is, an amazing spot to have community. So if you don't have that stability at home, you need to be getting that through a local rec center, a local community center, uh, great childcare services, and and that's a, a real tangible way that we can help uh, create more equity amongst families in our city and something that I want to be focused on in my campaign. Thank you. Um, could you ask the question again? What does it mean to you to be an ally with communities that face discrimination, such as people with disabilities, the LGBTQ2S+, and BIPOC people, and do you think it's within council's responsibility to improve equity within these communities in Victoria? I think council has a bit of a role to um, curate the equity, um, and, but the role should be more of an advocacy uh, role. I would say uh, campaigning for uh, marginalized or people who feel marginalized within their communities and um, improving infrastructure, for example, uh, creating more accessible um, buildings and uh, rec centers for people uh, who have uh, disabilities or um, improving our uh, downtown core to um, incorporate um, uh, aspects of the city like having um, bumps on the roads for blind people to be able to cross the road safely so they know um, where they're walking in general. So City Council does have a role, but I think it's a community-based um, circumstance. Thank you. I'll have to cut you off there. Thank you. <clears throat> My name's David Arthur Johnston. I'm a candidate for mayor of Victoria. Upon becoming mayor, every Victoria resident will miraculously lose the capacity to hate. Patience be with us all. And on to the next candidate. Thank you. Chris Hanna, the answer is basically yes, but I would add class to any issue of discrimination. Thank you. 
My name is Krista Loughton. I'm a candidate for city council. And I think to be an ally means to take a back seat, to listen to the issues that are coming from the different uh, groups that need to share what their requirements are, what they need from city council, and to then incorporate that into whatever motions and things we're putting forward to to support those communities. But it's not for us to make the decisions for those communities. It's, us, it's up to us to, to listen, to understand those communities, to have representation from those communities on, on any group or uh, committee that happens and, and um, um, take the information that's gathered and then put that into policy from the lived experience of those that those that are the issues um, or part of me our solutions are affecting. Thank you. Uh, hi, Kidani Pitt Chambers. Uh, I'd just like to speak as so, someone that is represented in two of these communities. Um, that the best thing you can do is just be on the ground talking with these communities and really listening and hearing what they need, what they're already doing, and um, how best you can help them achieve those goals. And to, is it the city's job? Absolutely. If not the city, then who else? The province, the federal government? Um, it's the city's role, in my opinion, to be able to be um, there to provide that lens of equity to help out uh, the disabled community, the Ibuak community, and also anyone else in the city who needs assistance. Um, what does equity look like for me? Um, I grew up using a lot of public services growing up. Uh, ice rinks, swimming pools, etc. Um, without those, y you lose a lot of community, especially if you're not able to access those in a private setting. So I really want to be able to take back private spaces, like the fact that Victoria's urban tree canopy is mostly comprised on private. Thank you. I'll have to cut you off there. Thank you. To me, uh, to be a good ally is to listen, respect, and invite equity-deserving people to participate in, in discussions and decisions. Uh, the saying, nothing, with, nothing about us without us, is, is a good one. Um, the biggest thing that the city can do here, and, and this, by the way, it should be the city and all levels of government, otherwise, why have government if we're not, if we're not promoting equity? Uh, the biggest way that the city can do it is with housing. Every year, I calculate the living wage for Greater Victoria, $20.46 an hour. The biggest piece of that is housing. Okay, we have got to get that under control. Uh, lower income people are disproportionately affected, so we need more supportive, affordable, public, nonprofit housing. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. As a queer feminist, I cut my activist teeth during the HIV AIDS crisis in the 70s and 80s and in all of the equality fights that have happened since. The first thing that you can do as an ally is elect a hell of a lot more of us. The next thing you can do is to make sure that every single thing that you decide at city council has that equity view. I had the privilege of facilitating the first ever in British Columbia trans inclusion policy, which has fed into the, the uh, implementation of the equity office, the Office of Equity and Diversity at the city of Victoria, which is now working on embedding a whole series of different types of thresholds around equity analysis in all decision-making, including land use. The simplest answer is work with us, elect us. Make sure that these voices are at the decision-making table for every person here.
What does it mean to you to be an ally with communities that face discrimination, such as people with disabilities, the LGBTQ2S plus and BIPOC communities? And do you think it's within council's responsibility to improve equity for these communities in Victoria? Absolutely, it's within uh, the city's responsibilities to move on these pieces. When we're talking about equity, we're actually talking about justice um, and making sure that everyone who identifies in any particular equity-seeking way is getting the justice that they deserve. Um, it means showing up, doing the work, and being humble about it. You're not doing it for the cred. Um, and it also means staying grounded and being surrounded by people who support you in the good ways so that you don't lose yourself in these institutions that are inherently based on colonial and racist axioms, right? And so that also means push back. Yes, we have great policies put forward at the city. Are they good enough? Sure. Can they be better? Absolutely, always. So push back and elect folks who will keep moving on those pieces. And one of the pieces of my platform I'm most proud of is a small one, which is just let folks submit grants at the city level in their language of choice. These are communities that already do the best on the ground work and are connected with those that the city isn't. Thank you. Uh, Tony Yakover, um, what does it mean to be an ally? Uh, for me, the first thing is recognizing my privilege as a cisgender white male. Um, you know, I, I'm gay, I'm Jewish, uh, and so I've experienced discrimination in a lot of ways, but that doesn't uh, negate the privilege that I have. Um, and I think it's important f for, for me to recognize that. Um, and I think it's important to have meaningful, cons uh, meaningful consultation with marginalized communities in, uh, in decisions that we would be taking as a city council that affect these communities. Uh, is it within council's responsibility? Absolutely. Um, it's irresponsible not to. When you have statistics like um, a, a third of unhoused people in the city are indigenous and less than a percentage of our population is indigenous, uh, it's irresponsible not to be uh, making decisions that are in line with, uh, with, the, with the statistics uh, in order to, uh, to achieve better outcomes for our city. Thanks, I agree with several comments, Kadoni's around working with equity-seeking groups, hearing what they need, amplifying those voices. Marianne talked about what the city's done, but uh, Susan pointed out we have to do more. Uh, it's really important this election to recognize there's a concerted attempt to roll back the clock on human rights, and particularly on the school board, but also on this council, and uh, things like will there be a jackboot on the neck of uh, a homeless person or someone managing addictions and mental health issues? Will we throw more money, waste more money on bylaw and enforcement and policing to make life even harder for our most vulnerable community members? And in the school board, will the clock be rolled back on trans inclusion policies and LGBTQ rights? So we need to stand up for human rights on October 15th, kind of raise the slogan all out for human rights. So I'd really encourage all of you and all of your friends Treat it like there's a mobilization to the polls next Saturday. Let's get 10,000 progressives you. to march Thank to the you. ballot that box. That is all the time you have. Thank you. Uh, I just want to let you know that I was in Beacon Hill uh, when they shut off the water to our encampment last, last winter uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and I want to just imagine how that feels. My name is Shay Smith, uh, running independently for council. And I want to let you know that I, I, I was just last night with, with people that are uh, living in tents for my friends. I mean, this is why I came here tonight. I'm not dressed up. I don't usually you know, roll that way. But uh, because I, I just imagine that people are going to know me 
<laughs> from what I've already done in the city. So it's, I, I, absolutely, it is the city's responsibility to encourage human rights and to, and to, and to, to encourage, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm almost at a loss because this is just such a, 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 it's, it's such a, such a subject that is so deep to home that it's, it's such tough to talk about in a minute and a half. I'm sorry, but if you, I encourage you to go to my website and find out my, my, my views on human rights. I was, like I say, I was in the, the encampments when they shut off the water. Uh, I've, I've, I've been head to head, and the fact that they say that they're doing anything for human rights, Thank you. That seven to seven bylaw. I'll have to cut you Just off there. Thank that's got to end. Thank you. I mean, you don't, you can't sit there and say. Sorry, that is all the time you have. Thank you. Hello, I'm, I'm Janice Williams. Um, for myself, I, I'm in a very privileged position. I'm heterosexual. I'm female. I identify as female. I am not disabled. Um, however, I am an ally. And for me, being an ally is something that we need to take very seriously as part of good governance. And what it means is listening, actively listening to those who are in those groups and elevating their voices. So that means not telling them what they experienced. Um, our city absolutely can do a better job. We need better sidewalks. We need to ensure our spaces are accessible by those who can't walk long distances. And I think we can do a better job with including our committees to ensure that they're representative. Well, it's kind of tough going last because everyone said all the good stuff. Um, I would say that, not to start quoting Marx, but the biggest inequity of all is always wealth. It's the class structure. So how do we go about equalizing that? And I think, Cardoni, you mentioned, um, no, you mentioned the crystal pool, access leisure passes and things like that. And um, that's a really good idea because that tries to you know, level out the playing field. And I was a teen mom. I had three kids. I was a university student. I had three children by the time I was 28. So I know what it's like to be on the other end um, with the disparity gap. And if it wasn't for the access leisure pass through the local pool where I lived, I wouldn't have been able to take my kids to the pool. Another thing is I have a friend named Jan. She's profoundly deaf. She has worked for years as an accessibility consultant. And I have been accessing her this entire time. There's so much to say and unpack on this, and I would just say when it comes to inequality, uh, inequality let's just start treating everybody equally. Thank you. I hope you don't mind if two more people speak on this. <laughs> My name is Chris Coleman. Um, equity is actually about listening and embracing. So about 10 years ago, we had a young woman named Sheena come to City Hall, she has a disability, and she asked City Hall not to use that word. And eventually she developed a proclamation, it's not disability, it's diversibilities. Last week, Sheena joined me doing door-to-door -door because she asked if she could come and do it. She's a special Olympian. I've spent 10 years listening to Sheena's story. I have a nephew who's a quadriplegic because of a car accident. If you want to know where our access works and where it doesn't work, spend a day driving along with somebody who is in a wheelchair. Accessibility inclusion is about working with, listening to, and embracing the lifestyles of those who are impacted. Thank you. And it's Chris Coleman for those of you who are tracking that. Thank you. Hi, I'm Anna King. And 
to me, equity is so important and absolutely uh, the responsibility of the city. As somebody who has felt like an outsider for most of my life, I think that um, inclusion and belonging um, is so important in, in mental health. You know, when somebody feels comfortable and, and that they're able to move and to go about their daily tasks, I think that sense of, that is inclusion and equity uh, to me. Uh, moreover, equity means representation. So many of the candidates have already shared that you know, we need uh, elected representatives that are from these groups in order to be at the table. Um, we deserve a seat there. And uh, for me, as a, as a woman of color and uh, somebody with a hidden disability, I have dyslexia, um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to feel up to par um, but I believe that representation matters. Thank you. The next question will be your hot seat question of the night. So you will only have 30 seconds to answer this question. The question is, if elected, what do you see as the greatest barrier to achieving your platform promises? 30 seconds, this will be a challenge. <laughs> the first candidate to answer will be Sandy Jansen. Right off the bat, I would say budgetary restraints and the other council members, if they are not aligned with something I want to do. So if I want to say I want to um, implement or urge the province to have a 2% rental cap and to extend that between tenancies and nobody's on board with that, then I'm not going to be able to push that forward. Um, so it really depends on who's on council, and I think the most important thing is that we have diversity on council and that we can have harmony, and that means having discourse, and sometimes that's even having discord, but in the end, we're going to come to a compromise. Because Thank you. Think that is all the time you have. Thank you, Chris Coleman. The problem is governing is complex. We try and make it simple. It's not simple. You need people who are willing to work together, and I would argue we have never taught people how to govern. We teach them how to win elections and then throw them in the deep end. We need to teach them how to govern. Your vote matters. The 2022 general local elections are coming up on October 15th. This is a chance for you to impact your city or municipality by voting for a mayor, set of councillors, and other officials. To find out about the candidates in your area and voting locations, go to elections.bc.ca. It doesn't matter if you are just waking up or crawling home from the best damn Thursday night of your life. Blues in the Morning has enough zombie, voodoo, gree-gree to last you through the whole weekend. Join Jim for two hours of blues in all its forms, Friday between 9 and 11 a.m., with a special emphasis on Canadian music. And remember, support live music. I think the greatest barrier <laughs> is being heard and bringing people together. Politics has been increasingly polarized, and you have lots of different opinions. And I think that's the, what we need to do, is to uh, work together and build that bridge. And for me, I see myself as center-left, and I think that that's important, because we need to come together 
as Sandy said, in harmony and to be able to work together and, and to find solutions. We can be creative and innovative in that. Thank you. Jeremy Cardona, I think the biggest barrier actually will be finding the balance between the big, sexy ideas, the major infrastructure builds that need to happen, the vision, things like the crystal pool, things like we probably need to move the, the library in the next mandate, and focusing on core services and dealing with the fact that the city is still dealing with the, the effects of the pandemic, small businesses have been hurt, homelessness is much more visible. So we have to strike a balance between the pragmatic and the visionary. I think the biggest challenge for me in the next council is that we're not gonna elect people who are gonna be brave enough to make huge complex decisions on the climate crisis. Uh, these are gonna be very challenging decisions, but I think right now is, is a pivotal moment in human history of how we act, and the next four years are critical. We need people who are willing to change the status quo in our cities and change the status quo in our lives to address a larger human and global issue of climate, and I, I'm looking forward. There's people around this room who I know can make those decisions, and I hope that we elect climate champions on October 15th. Thank you. I think the biggest challenge would be excessive progressiveness. Um, I think progressiveness has taken a, a, a overleaping effect on trying to change the mannerism of Canada as a liberal hegemonic state with a merit system where people work hard and they reap their rewards. Um, we all spend a lot of money in our universities and I think um, making Victoria a city that... Thank you, that is all the time you have. My name's David Arthur Johnston. I'm a candidate for mayor of Victoria. And really, obstacles we're talking about a vague thing, because ultimately, the universe is pragmatic and everything's perfectly now. And so anyone who thinks the truth is subjective is sort of drifting in a juvenile delusion. Uh, and so ultimately, a resignment with whatever happens. And uh, thank you, I'll yeah. have to cut you there off there. Thank you. I'm Chris Hanna, as my principal objective would be to create a, a multi-jurisdictional urban transportation network plan. I guess the, the multi-jurisdictional um, Difficulty will be will be in the multi-jurisdictional um, ambit of the of the program. Um, I think pretty well. There's universal agreement on the need for such a program. So I, I'm not. I'm optimistic to be honest. Thank you. I'm Krista Loughton, and what it's going to be a challenge for me is that around housing, mental health, addiction, and homelessness, very few of these things are under the jurisdiction of the municipality. We can change zoning laws and bylaws to attract more housing, but for the everything else, what I can do is be a convener. I'd like to chair a committee where we bring the right people to the table to talk about real solutions for homelessness, and that would be Community Partners, Island Health, BC Housing, and Minister Response. Thank you. Uh, Kidani Pitt Chambers. Uh, I think uh, we're gonna agree with a couple of people that have already gone, but the biggest barriers are really going to be balancing the big budget projects with the things that have to be done, like infrastructural upgrades. Um, that's going to be huge. But really, I think the biggest challenge is that Victoria and the region as a whole are going to have to learn that 
a lot of these issues are regional. We can't solve all of these issues solely as the city of Victoria, and I think the biggest challenge is going to be getting the region on board for regional Thank you. Thank you. That is all time now. I think the biggest challenge is going to be that there will be people with lack of experience in governance and the uh, failure to prioritize things and the tendency that people have, the natural tendency that people have to get caught in the weeds is going to be a challenge. It may lead to us failing to recognize that emergencies are priorities, and I'm talking about the climate emergency here. We run the risk of being like the frog in boiling water where we forget to notice that this is the priority and we forget to accelerate climate action. Thank you. Hi, I'm Marianne Alto. I'm running for uh, mayor in Victoria, and I have to apologize because I have another event that I have to rush off to in a minute. Uh, but for me, the obstacles that are facing the next council uh, are twofold. One, the uh, residents of the city are very much uh, not inclined to embrace change and are a bit uh, fearful of it. And that change is coming, and my view is that we'd like to manage it rather than have it happen randomly. The second thing is that we are going to have a brand new council almost entirely, and we're going to need somebody in the chair who has the ability to be a bit of a facilitator and uh, knows where the light switches are at least. Thank you. <laughs> the biggest challenge I see personally is compassion fatigue, and that's just from coming uh, from a position of trying to balance so many different perspectives, needs, emergencies, issues like maintaining roads, but also making sure staff are paid equitably and above living wage. Uh, the other challenge is uh, dealing with the media scene in the city and avoiding doom scrolling and that mental health piece that I think all of us will be struggling with. Susan Kim for council, by the way. Tony Yakover uh, for city council. Um, to me, the biggest challenge is going to be coordination between different levels of government and with the other municipalities. Um, a lot of the big projects that we want to take on that we're talking about today are things that we need provincial support on, things we need federal support on, and uh, things we need to coordinate throughout the region. I'm a big proponent of amalgamation. Um, I think it's really important for us to be looking at the future, for, uh, if, for Victoria to be able to tackle the challenges that's ahead of us. We need uh, to be completely in step with Saanich, Oak Bay, and Esquimalt, and we need to amalgamate. Thanks. I think the biggest challenge is inertia and vested interests that don't want things to change, whether it's fossil fuel polluters, whether it's uh, the wealthiest community members, uh, whether it's vested interests within the police department and the development community, and also senior staff people in the city and in the regional government who are tied to that status quo position. And I'm worried, even though with the recent and our previous councils, it's very hard to muster, muster the spinal fortitude and the resolve to move forward when all of those Thank conservative interests all. are Thank holding us back. Thank you, that is all the time you have. Thank you. I think the biggest uh, challenges I'll face uh, if elected would be stigma. Uh, obviously, the thing I think when the challenges I face right now is stigma. Uh, it's hard to answer also 30 second questions and minute and a half questions and when you're a pretty philosophical guy and I have, these are big questions, so they're tough. Uh, so I think the biggest challenge for me would be, uh, yeah, would just be basically stigma and I have the experience, I've been there, I've been on, this, uh, on the uh, other end of, of, the, of, of the receiving, so uh, I just want, I'm sorry, these are shotgun questions, I'm terrible at them, but uh, thank you very much. The time you have. <laughs> the nature of the hot seat. <laughs> Homeless idea. Uh, Janice Williams here. I, I think the biggest barrier to anyone achieving anything will be a failure to instill good governance 
and to do our job that we have and to do it well first before we try to take on additional roles and responsibilities. We need to get back to municipal government kind of being boring, frankly. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. And closing remarks now. Please provide a closing remark and address anything from your platform or priorities that you feel our questions did not give you the chance to address. And you'll have one minute to provide your closing remarks. The first person to close will be Mueller Kalala. Uh, pardon me if I mispronounced that. It's Mueller, it's British. Um, um, one thing I would like to note is the issue, I'd like to speak more on our um, unhoused population and our homeless crisis. Um, the past administration clearly showed that they didn't care much for our unhoused population. Um, patting yourself on the back and by allowing our fellow Canadians to sleep in our parks is not a, uh, it's not a glorious thing, I would argue, and nor is um, putting them in shipping containers with a very minimal resolve in rehabilitation. What we need to do is get our homeless citizens um, with rehabilitation officers and engaged back into our workforce. A majority are men, and we do have a declining workforce that needs more people working. Thank you. My name's David Arthur Johnston. I'm a candidate for mayor of Victoria. We're on the precipice of global catastrophe. We're running out of food. We're running out of water. There could very well be a nuclear war before the night's over, thanks to, I would say, NATO and Canada's sponsorship thereof. Uh, the addiction epidemic is tyrannically imposed, not an accident, not the natural progression of capitalism. If once we end it, then everything can change. Until then, if you vote for anyone else, you're complicit in a war crime. Chris Hanna, this is more a CRD level um, project than a, a civic one, but I'd like to see underwater power and light power and um, hydro restored to the Lekwungen village on Discovery Island. Lekwungen people originally were based around the Harrow Straits because of the salmon migration routes. Then they moved into inner, the inner harbor of Victoria and then they were moved over to Esquimalt. Um, the original environment of the Lekwungen people was the maritime one. And if you have a maritime, it's probably going to be an educational facility or, or research area on Discovery Island, they can return to what was the original environment of their people. Bit of a quirk, but that's one I'd like to see. Thanks. I'm Krista Loughton, and one thing I'd like to to talk about that we haven't talked about um, in regards to housing is that in the next 20 years, our home, or pardon me, our seniors' population is going to double, and we need to prepare for that. We can't just continue building towers and single-family homes. We need multiplexes, townhouses smaller units, house conversions. Um, I think the house conversion bylaw should be extended to every, every single family home. 
so that we can prepare for this because our seniors are gonna have to age in place. And if we don't start working on that now, we are gonna be in trouble. I also think when we're talking about um, homelessness, we need to remember prevention. And there are some great things like the rent bank that we need more of that, which is a um, working with community groups, the city and the province to make those happen so we can stop. Thank you, that is all the time you have. Thank you. Uh, Kitani put Chambers again. Um, I just want to highlight here, and not to throw any of the other candidates under the bus, I am the youngest person currently sitting on this stage. I just graduated from university as well. I have been pretty much striving my entire working life throughout the clean energy and climate action sector, and I want to be on city council to continue that and continue to champion for every single person in this room so that we have a sustainable future for all. That's it. That's my piece. I hope you can come talk to me later over there. <laughs> I'm Dave Thompson. I think we need to elect progressive councillors. If you want to see us move forward on housing, if you want to see us move forward on climate action, uh, there are organizations who have ranked can the candidates before you on these issues, so you don't have to guess. A lot of people use the same words. They all say they're climate friendly. Are they really? check out those resources. They're on my website. The most important thing you can do right now is get out the vote. Help volunteer for a campaign that you believe in. Uh, students and workers here at UVic are going to be affected by this election. So I've got on my website some resources on uh, helping people exercise their right to vote. Uh, DaveThompsonVictoria.ca. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. <clears throat> uh, Marianne Alton, I'm running for mayor in Victoria. I can't stress enough how critically important this election is municipally. There is going to be a sea change at council, and the decisions that that council are going to make are going to affect your lives every single day. You're going to have two-thirds of a new council, at least, that have never been in City Hall or in any elected position, so you need experience. You have to make decisions that will balance the incredible diversity in the city, so you need balance. And you have to have somebody who's going to be able to commit to continuing the progress and making more. So you want progress. See that sign up there? Experience, balance, progress. That's me, altomayor.ca. There's a lot of stuff on that website. Please go and look at it, because that's the kind of thing that I think the city has to face in the next four years. Susan Kim, city council candidate. Um, Oh, I just blanked on what the question, right. Uh, what we haven't actually talked about is healthcare. Um, as uh, somebody who needed to go to the doctor on occasion at UVic Medical Clinic, I would still show up at 7.30 to try to get a walk-in, and that's just not fair. There are some basic ways that a city can incentivize healthcare workers to come to our beautiful space that we call home. And that in itself will have spillover effects in supporting students and their healthcare needs. That's also a basic uh, equity and justice piece. There's so many folks, for example, who have a variety of healthcare needs and can't afford them. And so if we can attract more healthcare workers in a way that is actually sustainable, we'll be able to lift all of us up. A rising tide lifts all boats. I'm in this for a good time, not a long time. October 15th, Susan Kim, thanks so much. Uh, Tony Ecover for City Council. Um, this election, I just wanna close with, this election we, we need to decide what we want Victoria to look like for the future. And 
you know, do we want Victoria to be a place where we can raise a family? Do we want Victoria to be a place where we can start a small business? Do we want Victoria to be a place where we can launch our careers? Um, do we want Victoria to be a place that has healthcare, that has nurses and doctors? It's so important that we make critical decisions in this next four years that's gonna set the path for the next 30 years. Um, we, uh, my husband's a nurse at, at Jubilee. Uh, nurses are moving to Calgary because they can get paid better and, and, and they can find a place to live. The, the thing that council can do is set the direction for the design of the city in a way that makes sure that people have a place to live, that they can afford, that they can call this city home, not just for a few years, but for their entire life. Thanks. Ben, I said I'm running for re-election to city council on the CRD board. I'm the only one here who's uh, seeking re-election to council. I didn't think I would be the, the elder statesperson or the voice of experience, but that's how things have turned out. Uh, so I can certainly give that perspective. I also want to be a voice con continuing to drive the progressive agenda forward, continuing to lead the province and country on housing rights, on fear-free public transit, on protecting natural areas and restoring biodiversity, and being a beacon for human rights in a world where human rights and democracy are under attack. I agree with Dave. We need you to participate. For the next week, this is the big issue. This is the big campaign. So whether you sign up for my campaign or for one of the other progressive campaigns, get involved, put as much time in over, over the next week, and let's uh, defend human rights all out on October 15th. Thanks. Uh, I'm just I'm running here because, like I said earlier, my, the water was shut off during, to our encampment during uh, you know, the pandemic. Uh, there's, they talk about human rights up here. There's not been anything near close enough to, to human rights being done in this city. Um, you know, I, I, I speak firsthand. I speak from the pain of the experience of being with the people on the streets. And like I say, I have a podcast about it, and that's pretty much my claim to fame in the city. I would be there trying to end the 7-7 uh, the seven to seven bylaw. That is completely inhumane and unconstitutional. There's a million things. Uh, the 30 seconds, those markers are deadly, I tell you. Okay, uh, just thank you very much. I, I encourage you to go to my website, www.shaferCouncil.ca. Uh, and uh, thank you very much. See you October 15th. Thanks, Kelly. Janice Williams here. Um, as voters, you have one of the most important tests coming up, and it's a challenge. It, it is super hard. As a small business owner, I often have to put on an HR hat and say, who are the best people for the job? Uh, what kind of team do I need? What team is going to work collaboratively? What team is going to tell me what I need to hear and not what I want to hear? Uh, please, I, I applaud you for being here, but do take a little extra time to look at who is running and what they'll bring to the team. And thank you for voting. Hi, Sandy Jansen. I've actually surprisingly heard a lot of similarities, than, more similarities than differences. And I would say that what we have to have on city council is diversity. It's a very tough job because when you represent the citizens of Victoria, you're in representing the entirety. And some of those individuals will have polar opposite views to you. I hear a lot of left, right, progressive, regressive, um, rich versus poor, affluent versus disenfranchised. At the end of the day, 
you represent your constituents. And some of those constituents will have very, very different views. You have to make a balanced, wise decision. And the only way you can do that is to hear all the voices. We need a city council that is inclusive, that has many, many voices, that represents all the voices of all the constituents, all the different groups. There are competing interests. That is the difficult part of governing. And we just have to face that fact. We are never going to find the right answer. We just have to find the best possible answer. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chris Coleman. Governing is complex, as I've said before. Um, I am a boring centrist. I'm actually quite proud of being a boring centrist because it means I can work with all the perspectives that come to the table, listen to all the voices that come to the city, and you make decisions that benefit many of them and will disbenefit some others. And you need to be able to explain that, but it's only by binding the various members of council together that you get an approach that works to build a community that's better for everybody. Thank you. Hi. Anna King for Victoria City Council. I started this evening by saying that you know my motivation are my children, uh, my one-year-old and my three-year-old. And um, something that we didn't talk about is healthcare. My one-year-old, when he was born, just a little over a year ago, had no doctor. We had a maternity doctor, and after he was born, um, they said that you know we had to not be their patient anymore because I'm no longer pregnant. And that is an issue that um, plagues so much of Victoria that we need doctors. And there are tangible things that we can do. We can provide tax exemptions for, for, uh, for doctors and their clinics. We can provide a space for them to open clinics and make that easy. And same, same for nurses, right? Um, and we just need to attract more of these uh, doctors and nurses and have a place for them to stay. Housing is a part of our doctor crisis as well. Jeremy Cardona, I'd like to end by talking about reconciliation, which we barely even touched upon, and acknowledging that I am a white male settler upon these lands uninvited, and it's incumbent upon me, as it is incumbent upon everyone, everyone on this stage, to make a full and complete commitment to reconciliation. Um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission has five recommendations that are specifically geared towards cities, and we should be implementing all of them. And there is so much that the city can be doing to support reconciliation. They've already done a lot, but there's so much more to do. Um, replanting Clover Point with Gary Oaks and Camas is an act of reconciliation. Returning certain buildings to the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations is an act of reconciliation. Reducing the number and percentage of unhoused people, un unhoused indigenous people in the city, reducing that number is an act of reconciliation. Changing the name from Trutch Street to Sayit Street is an act of reconciliation. I was, I'm extremely proud to have been there and witnessed that ceremony, and it was obviously extremely important to our local First Nations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Matt Dell, running for city council. I think the status quo of this election needs to be electing climate champions, housing champions, people looking for innovative solutions to the mental health and addiction crisis. That's the bare minimum of what we should be electing this, this council. There's no time to waste on these, these issues. These aren't even political issues anymore. These are science, scientific issues and human rights issues. I want to say one more thing I started off about tonight is we need to also focus on arts and culture in this city. The, the affordability crisis has gentrified our arts and culture community outside of Victoria, and there's no purpose in living in a city unless we can express ourselves through arts, 
culture, music, murals, and that type of thing. Uh, city council has a huge responsibility over this. This is low-hanging, easy fruit for a city, giving permission to put artwork up on a wall. And so please remember this year to elect arts and culture candidates, people who have experienced doing actual community building in their work. Uh, thank you very much, and thanks to the UVSS for organizing. It's, I think, the first debate we've had for city council. It wasn't an open house, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That is... That is it for tonight and for all the forums. <laughs> Thank you to CFUV for hosting, or sorry, for doing the sound tonight and to the UVSS for hosting us. There is a meet and greet. We encourage